From KPMG, this is Global Perspectives with Hala Mohideen. Welcome to Global Perspectives, the podcast series from KPMG focused on the big international issues and inspiring leaders helping to shape a more sustainable world where CEOs and their companies can flourish. On this month's episode, we'll hear from one of the world's most influential business leaders who's made the Time magazine list of the 100 most influential people on the planet as well as the Forbes Most Powerful Women list. She's the author of no fewer than 15 books, the founder and CEO of Thrive, and was the founder of the Huffington Post. But despite her long list of achievements and busy work schedule, our guest today is on a mission to change the way we work by tackling the burnout culture that's so embedded in business leadership and success. I am delighted to be joined by Ariana Huffington. Ariana, thanks for joining us on Global Perspectives. Thank you so much, Hala. Really great to be with you. Now, many of our listeners will know you, of course, from your success as the founder of the Huffington Post. But I want to start with your amazing career as a business author. One of your most recent books is called The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life one night at a time. Why is it so important to you that CEOs and other business leaders pay more attention to their work-life balance? You know, we have an enormous amount of science that shows unequivocally that sleep is foundational, both to our physical immunity and to our cognitive performance. For many, many decades, we thought of sleep as a waste of time. You know, John Bon Jovi sings, I'll sleep when I'm dead, or you snooze, you lose. But now we know that um, it's essential for peak performance and for health. Now, it's important to also realize that there are about one to one and a half percent of the population that has a genetic mutation and doesn't need a lot of sleep. But the vast majority, the rest of us, need seven to nine hours. Where you are on that spectrum is individual. And what is key to recognize is that sleep is a time of incredible frenetic activity for the brain. This is the only time that the brain can actually clear all the toxins that have accumulated during the day. So that's, of course, essential for leadership because it affects how we respond to events, to challenges, how creative, how empathetic we are. And I was surprised um, a couple of years ago to see a piece in the Harvard Business Review by some McKinsey consultants, and the headline was Sleep as a Key Element of Leadership. Do you get the sense that CEOs and leaders are more receptive to the idea of, of looking after yourself more, taking care of yourself more. Because like you say, the uh, people tend to think you snooze, you lose, you have to work 22 hours a day. Do you find there is a change now that people are more receptive to this idea of self-care? 
Absolutely. I think we're seeing fundamental cultural shift. We are seeing, for example, just to start with sleep, that a lot of CEOs and leaders are now tracking their sleep. I'm wearing my aura ring that I love to track my sleep. A lot of them are almost competing with each other, how much sleep you get, because we now know whether it's sleep or food or movement or mental health, that they all are part of um, how we perform as leaders. And we see that from elite athletes. They talk a lot about recovery being an essential part of peak performance. It's not like a trade-off the way we used to think it was. Of course, there are always people lagging behind who are still bragging about being always on 24-7, handling texts or emails. But I think they are increasingly becoming the minority. Okay. Now, you have had such a diverse career, what would you say were the biggest obstacles to success that you've personally faced over the years? I would say one of the biggest obstacles to success is um, what I call the obnoxious roommate living in my head. Uh, You know, the voice of self-doubt, questioning, beating myself up after a mistake instead of just learning from them and moving on. I had to learn how to deal with that voice. It's a biotype known as rumination. (laughs) I don't know if you're a ruminator, Hala, but those listening who are will identify it. And it also made me realize that very often there are internal obstacles that get in the way of our success and also of our fulfillment in what we are doing, which for me is very important. I wrote a whole book, Thrive, on redefining success so that we see it as something beyond just money and status slash power that includes our well-being, our health, our capacity to find joy and wonder in life. And And I feel so strongly about that. I left HuffPost to to found a whole company that can help people adapt their behavior so that they can uh, integrate their life with the rest of their work. It's interesting you talk about the annoying roommate in your heads. I think of it as my inner saboteur. Yes, my obnoxious roommate is the inner saboteur, absolutely. And I think that's something a lot of women in business and women in whatever career that they also struggle with. What advice do you have for women in particular on how to quiet that voice, how to overcome it? Well, the first thing is to recognize that that voice is not the truth. And that voice is not who we are. And then we actually have at Thrive specific, what we call micro steps, tiny incremental steps you can take. And my favorite is what I call scheduling worry time. Like if you schedule worry time, let's say once a week for 10 minutes or twice a week, if the voice is very loud, when the voice comes up, you just say, okay, we'll handle that on Thursday at 2.30. And it's kind of amazing because when Thursday at 2.30 comes, 
you write down all your worries, all your fears, whatever the voice is going on about, and then you can burn it or cut it up in pieces, whatever. And little by little, you put the voice in its place. In a moment, we'll return to our interview with Arianna Huffington. But first, let's hear from KPMG's global chairman and CEO, Bill Thomas. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Well, it's great to be here. And thank you, uh, Hala, for having me. I'm, uh, I'm really thrilled to, uh, to help launch this uh, podcast. And as you well know, Hal, we've got a number of amazing guests that are, we're going to be featuring in the next couple months. So let's just jump in. I'm looking forward to it. We've been hearing from Arianna Huffington on the need for CEOs to address corporate burnout and well-being. What's KPMG doing right now to tackle that issue? Well, you know how like KPMG is the same and and certainly as many, many other businesses that I'm sure you've been talking to. And there's no doubt the last couple of years have been incredibly challenging for all of us. We've We've all really tried to sort of make concerted efforts to sort of look after our people, check in with them, listen to their concerns. And, and certainly within KPMG, we've got lots of our member firms around the world that have tried to sort of really be creative in taking advantage of the, the hybrid uh, sort of situation that presents itself. You know, the Canadian firm, for example, and I'm a proud Canadian, they've offered up every Friday off through the summer. The UK has decided to sort of finish the week early, the Netherlands launching a well-being pilot with this thing called Open Up, which is a platform where, you know, people can anonymously access all sorts of well-being services with with really a focus on mental health. So everybody's trying to uh, to solve for the same X. We're all trying to really, really respond to the needs and the and the well-being of our teams. And uh, KPMG is no different in that respect. The pandemic appeared to create a seismic shift in the work-life balance of employees. How big a part did it play in changing your attitude to issues like working from home? Yeah, well, it it, it definitely did. And, and, you know, I mean, it is hard to imagine how the past couple of years would have gone without technology. And, and, uh, and I think we all talk about the reality of, of video conferencing today relative to a, even a couple of years ago. You know, I used to spend my entire life on a plane prior to the pandemic. Then all of a sudden, boom, overnight, I'm grounded. We have to figure out how to uh, connect around the world and especially me to all of my team members. And uh, we did that instantly. So uh, what was fascinating, though, like is I used to I used to try and hide the fact that I was working from home and, and every time I would make my office in my house uh, look as sterile as possible so that if I was on a video conference, then it would look like I was in the office. So I didn't ever have to answer the question, if you're at home, you're not working. Think about that concept. If you're at home, you're not working. That was the way we, uh, we thought only a few short years ago. Today, we're actually worried about the opposite. People are, are burning out working nonstop from their home. I mean, that is a massive change in a couple of years and it's impacted uh, myself very personally. KPMG is investing millions around the world in its new ESG plan. I know it's still early days, but have you seen any positive or indeed negative impact yet 
And what advice would you offer other CEOs who might be considering a similar approach? Yeah, well, well, certainly my advice is uh, this is a must. You can't, uh, what, you know, whether it's your people, your clients, your customers, government, society at, uh, at large, everybody is demanding a response. So for any CEO that's listening to this, I don't think you can wait. You definitely need to engage your organization and your stakeholders on this topic. And it's true, we are uh, investing uh, billions, 1.5 billion to make ESG what I've sort of described as the watermark underpinning our entire firm and, and every aspect of our business. I do think that that is uh, incredibly important and we have to lead by example, which is why we have uh, what, what we've launched as our impact plan, which is a very public uh, representation of all the commitments we've made as well as the results so far. So I think the ESG momentum is not going to uh, pause. In fact, it's going to strengthen as time goes on and we have to work together to, uh, to achieve the objectives that we all want. Bill, thank you so much for joining us on Global Perspectives. Now let's return to the second part of our interview with Arianna Huffington. Let's widen things out somewhat. The world, as we know, is in a a real state of flux and instability at the moment. And that's putting pressure on boardrooms, on people as well. What would you advise for CEOs who are trying to find that balance of success and happiness in an increasingly stressful world? I think what's very important for CEOs is to realize that they need to put their own oxygen mask on first. When they take care of themselves, everything else is better because they're going to be able to be more creative, more productive, more empathetic, all the qualities they need, especially during times of uncertainty and instability. Right now, even the CEOs of the most successful companies can no longer just do maintenance. The world has changed so dramatically, as you said, that they need to be able to perform at a higher level. And that's very hard to do when we are burnt out. We know that when we are burnt out, we can still be transactional, get things done. But as I know, having myself collapsed from burnout, and that's how my own journey started, um, it's very hard to be the best version of yourself and exemplify the best qualities of leadership. It is. Just tell us about your journey then, because if you've experienced that firsthand, what can people do to stay focused on growth without suffering? And how did you overcome that burnout? Well, the first thing was awareness. You know, if you had asked me the day I collapsed and hit my head on my desk and broke my cheekbone from exhaustion and burnout. How are you, Ariana? I would have said fine. Because a lot of us have even stopped knowing what operating on all cylinders is really like and are so used to powering through exhaustion. So one of the things we've done at Thrive is have a daily pulse where the companies we work with 
their employees get a question every day about what's your stress level or how fatigued you are or multiple, hundreds of different questions. And that question is really a moment of reflection to check in on yourself. But it's also great for management and boards to know in an anonymized, aggregated way where there are risks of burnout, you know, by department, by geography, and take measures before they have to deal with um, a crisis. Why do you think CEOs, managers, people who are ambitious and want to get things done, why do you think they're so susceptible to, to the pressures of, of taking on too much and stress and burnout? I have studied that. I was always very interested in the answer to that question. It actually goes back to the first industrial revolution when we started revering machines. And the goal with machines and after machines software is to minimize downtime. You know, companies will launch a new piece of software and say this has 99.999% uptime. But the human operating system is different. For the human operating system, downtime is a feature, not a bug. And that's what we have to realize. And the pandemic has actually been a huge accelerant, a huge catalyst for a shift in that recognition. Um, We had more time to reflect. We faced more existential questions. So you have many more CEOs who recognize the importance of that for themselves and for their employees. We are working with a lot of companies who are taking care of employees is no longer a warm and fuzzy HR benefit. It's a strategic priority. And that's why we just issued a pledge that over 80 companies, Fortune 50 and high growth startups, including Walmart, Salesforce, Levi signed to pledge to not cut down mental health and well-being offerings during these uncertain times. Because there's been so much progress in the last two years where uh, companies openly discuss mental health problems. A lot of the stigma, although still there, evaporated. So we don't want to regress during a time when a lot of companies are having hiring freezes, layoffs, uh, protecting cash. But this is one area that is so key, not just for the employees, but for the business. Because when employees are dealing with mental health problems, productivity, attrition, healthcare costs, every business metric is affected. And that's why I said at the beginning that it has to start with the CEOs and the C-suite leaders. They, they have to model it yeah. and give like cultural permission to the rest. Yeah, that's so important. I think we've got time for one last question. We've talked about the amazing achievements in your career. What's next? What's next for Arianna Huffington? So uh, I'm really excited uh, to be reaching millions of people through Thrive, through our behavior change product, helping people through micro steps 
uh, improve their health and productivity. And what I love, Hala, is that so much of what we're doing around health is focusing on the last mile of health when people are actually sick. And I think by going upstream to the first mile of health, we can help people through their daily behaviors, through sleep, through food, through uh, movement and the thoughts we hold in our head, uh, be able to be much healthier, much more productive and much more joyful. I, I love that. I love seeing people, you know, reduce high blood pressure and be more joyful and productive at work. And, and that's really what I want to double down on, uh, improving our products every year, uh, learning um, from um, what we're seeing in the market and responding to the times. This is so important because, as you said, times are unstable. Companies are now becoming such a trusted source of information and help for their employees at a time when there is less trust in governments and in media. And so if we can help them be a better source of trust and uh, support, that's something worth spending the rest of my life doing. It certainly is. That's so inspiring. I've never thought of it that way. It's, it's not a fluffy HR benefit. It's an essential. It's an essential, exactly. And CEOs and other leaders are recognizing that. They have the data that shows that now. Okay, Ariana Huffington, thank you so much uh, for that inspiring discussion. Thank you for joining us on Global Perspectives. I'm Hala Mahiadeen. Join us next month where we'll be chatting to another inspiring business leader. If you want to hear more of KPMG's global podcasts, head now to home.kpmg.com.